Greetings, everyone. It's March 19th. This is the One Year Bible Tour, and I'm David McAdam, your tour guide. This is day 78 of our journey through the Scriptures. We've taken in the inspired written accounts of God's self-revelation and creation, the tragedy of human disobedience and the consequential subjection of creation to a state requiring radical repair. The book of Genesis started the story of God bringing rescue, revealing that He is the Redeemer, and He promises to bring redemption through the person of His Son, the promised seed of the woman, who would come from the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was eventually changed to Israel. And from Jacob and his sons, Israel, after 400 years, will become a great nation that demonstrates the requirements of a covenant partner of Yahweh, the one true God. And as Adam failed in the Garden of Eden, so Moses and the nation of Israel failed in the wilderness. It will take another to bring the promised deliverance. Joshua is appointed to bring those who survived the 40-year wilderness journey into the promised land. All of this is foreshadowing the greater Joshua, that is, Yeshua, Jesus, whose name shares the same meaning, God is salvation. In our reading yesterday, Joshua was appointed to be Moses' successor. Now before the children of Israel reach the end of their wilderness wandering, the Lord gives further instructions pertaining to the worship that He will require from His covenant people as they go into the land of Canaan. So we pick up our story in Numbers chapter 28, verse 16 which deals with the offerings required for the Passover. On the fourteenth day of the first month is the Lord's Passover, and on the fifteenth day of this month is a feast. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a food offering, a burnt offering to the Lord, two bulls from the herd, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old. See that they are without blemish." Also their grain offering, a fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah shall you offer for a bull, and two-tenths for a ram. A tenth shall you offer for each of the seven lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering, to make atonement for you. You shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a regular burnt offering. In the same way you shall offer daily, for seven days, the food of a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. And on the seventh day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. On the day of the first fruits, when you offer a grain offering of new grain to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but offer a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, also the grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat to make atonement for you. Besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering, you shall offer them and their drink offering. See that they are without blemish. Chapter 29 Offerings for the Feast of Trumpets On the first day of the seventh month you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a day for you to blow the trumpets, and you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, one bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old without blemish, also their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, 
three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you, besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offering, according to the rule for them, for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Offerings for the Day of Atonement On the tenth day of this seventh month you shall have a holy convocation and afflict yourselves. You shall do no work, but you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, one bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, see that they are without blemish. And their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for one ram, a tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the sin offering of atonement, and the regular burnt offering, and its grain offering, and their drink offerings. Offerings for the Feast of Booths On the fifteenth day of the seventh month you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days, and you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, thirteen bulls from the herd, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old, they shall be without blemish, and their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, and a tenth for each of the fourteen lambs, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the second day, twelve bulls from the herd, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the third day, eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the fourth day, ten bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the fifth day, nine bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, in the prescribed quantities, also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. On the sixth day, eight bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offerings. On the seventh day, seven bulls, two rams, fourteen male lambs a year old without blemish, with the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the eighth day you shall have a solemn assembly. You shall do no ordinary work, but you shall offer a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, seven male lambs a year old without blemish, 
and the grain offering and the drink offerings for the bull, for the ram, and for the lambs in the prescribed quantities. Also one male goat for a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering and its grain offering and its drink offering. These you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed feasts, in addition to your vow offerings and your free will offerings, for your burnt offerings and for your grain offerings and for your drink offerings and for your peace offerings. So Moses told the people of Israel everything, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament book of Numbers today. Now let's take some moments to reflect upon these Old Testament feasts and the offerings associated with them. It's good for us to remember that when we gather as believers, that worship is for the Lord. The important issue is not whether worship is your style, but that it is His style. It is not as much about your experience as it is about His pleasure. In Numbers 28, the Lord speaks and makes it clear that the offerings are to be made unto Him. The offerings speak of the perfections of the person and redemptive work of Christ Jesus. The priest offers what pleases God on our behalf, the perfections of our Redeemer. There is a reason why God required certain sacrifices at special times of the year in addition to the daily morning and evening sacrifices. The eternal God acts in time. The drama of redemption involves deliverance from the penalty of death, that's the Passover, the removal of sin, that's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the resurrection of a new life, that's the Feast of Firstfruits, the reproduction of that new life in the first harvest, that's the Feast of Pentecost, the calling together of the saints, that's the Feast of Trumpets, the calling to account, that's the Day of Atonement, and the dwelling together with God, that's the Feast of Tabernacles. The spring festivals looked back towards events in Israel's past and forward to events that would be fulfilled in the first coming of Christ. We saw that the Passover not only referred to the angel of death passing over the firstborn males of the Israelites in Egypt, but also to Jesus as the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world by dying in our place and taking the penalty upon himself that our sins deserved, that in the execution of God's justice the angel of death would pass over us and that we could be righteously forgiven and live. Jesus was also the bread of life and was without the leaven of sin. We who believe are identified with him, baked into the same loaf. From God's point of view, our old life of sin was crucified and buried with him, totally put away. He rose from the dead on the Feast of Firstfruits, and he sent forth his Holy Spirit on the Feast of Pentecost, enabling his life to be reproduced in believing Jews and Gentiles, a harvest of all the nations. He is coming again with the sound of a trumpet in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. The Lord says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. The Day of Atonement describes how the judgment seat has become a mercy seat for those who trust in the substitutionary sacrifice of God's perfect Son, the Lamb of God. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. 
Leviticus 17.11. The Feast of Tabernacles looks backwards to God's covenant people dwelling together with His presence in their midst as they wandered in the wilderness. But it also looks forward to a more perfect and permanent dwelling together with God. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. In this section, beginning with Numbers 28, verse 16, we have a repetition of the Lord's instructions for compulsory offerings during the major feasts of the Lord. They are not voluntary, free-will offerings. God's pleasure is secured by our honoring what He has provided for our complete reconciliation to Himself. And now for our reading from the New Testament. We're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, starting with verse 23 through to verse 38. In our reading today, Luke records the beginning of Jesus' public ministry when Jesus Himself was about 30 years of age. The Genealogy of Jesus Christ Luke 3.23 Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about thirty years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mothat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Mattathias, the son of Semain, the son of Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, the son of Nerai, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kazam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Maleah, the son of Mena, the son of Matathah, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament. As we have been reading the book of Numbers, we discovered that the priests started to serve in the tabernacle when they were thirty years old. Numbers chapter 4, verse 3. Joseph stood before Pharaoh at the age of thirty. Genesis 41, 46. Now Joseph was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. David was thirty years old when he became king. In Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 4. Ezekiel was thirty when the heavens opened, and he saw visions of God, in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. There is no age restriction in the New Testament for ministering unto the Lord or to His people, but care must be given that hands are not laid upon someone who is inexperienced, 
in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. It is interesting to note that in the Old Testament, men were numbered to be able to fight the good fight of faith from the age of 20. Dr. Luke, the physician, gives consistent testimony to the virgin birth of Christ. He notes that Joseph was not the actual father of Jesus, inserting that he was the supposed father in verse 23. Luke then records 76 names tracing Jesus' ancestry, 77 if you count the name of God, connecting Jesus to the line of David's son Nathan, going back as far as Adam. Matthew traced Jesus' ancestry through the line of David's son Solomon, going back only to Abraham. In doing this, Matthew emphasizes that Jesus is the fulfillment of the messianic promises given to the Jews. Luke emphasizes that the offer of salvation is for the whole of humanity and not just to the Jews who traced their national history back to Abraham. One possible explanation of the differences between the two genealogies is that Luke records the lineage through Mary and Matthew records Jesus' legal status through the line of Joseph, proving that both parents were descendants of David. And now we read from the book of Psalms, Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. My soul waits for God alone. To the choir master, according to Juduthan, a psalm of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position, They take pleasure in falsehood, they bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge, is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. The power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. In this psalm, David stands silently before the Lord, whom he refers to once again as my rock. He then explains this metaphor. The rock is a source of salvation, reminding him of the water that came out of the rock in the wilderness. He is our new vantage point. The rock is a place of refuge, a place of defense, a high tower and a fortress against the enemy. He is the source of protection and success. But this rock is a living rock, a hearing rock, a merciful and rewarding rock. He can be called out to in our times of distress. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And although we don't know exactly what that term means, I like to think of it as an admonition to stop and meditate upon this. Today's reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verses 18 and 19. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live, but he who pursues evil will die. 
This proverb reminds us that our motives and actions today will affect our outcomes tomorrow. Give attention to the pursuit of righteousness with right motives today, and the outcome will be truly rewarding. Let's pray. Glorious God and Father, how humbled we are at the prospect you ordained from the beginning, that you, the Most Holy, would tabernacle in the midst of sinners. Your wisdom provided the unsurpassed demonstration of love that while we were yet sinners, Christ would die for us. We look forward to that day when we will dwell in your presence and you with us through the glorious accomplishment of Christ Jesus our Lord. Today we seek first your kingdom and pursue your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thank you for being with us as we read through the Bible. I trust this time will be an encouragement to you and that you will be taking words with you into this day that will provide nourishment and encouragement to others as well as to your own soul. Again, we'd love to hear if you have any challenges in reading through the Bible in the year, how we can serve you. We'd love to get your feedback. You can contact us at podcast at newlife.org. Thank you and God bless you. Shalom.